Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Just uh, want to draw your attention to the the title of uh, this morning's message, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah. Uh, God at work in life's disappointments. Now, I mention that because this is part of a a uh, three-message series that I started last week at uh, Arcadia. And uh, the message last week was Joseph and Mary, uh, God at work in life's disruptions. And uh, God willing, next week here at the Hill, I'm going to be speaking about Simeon. Simeon, God at work in life's doubts. So just those three parts uh, that we will be considering as we approach Christmas. So I do want to turn to uh, what the scriptures tell us and, and from Luke's gospel, chapter 1 and from verse 5, we're going to read about Elizabeth and Zechariah. So reading then from uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 5. Have I got this right? And it's Luke chapter 1. Yes, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared." And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach 
among people. And then if you turn over the page to verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. They would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And the fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, When, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And so, Lord, we thank you again for uh, this history uh, recorded and preserved for us. And I do pray that even as we examine and seek to understand and explain and apply this word today, that you would encourage many hearts among us uh, in this season that we live. Praying for your spirit always to be at work. Lord, through the words I speak, through that which we receive, and Lord, enabling us to submit and trust you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I do want to begin this message this morning with, a, I think, an important question, a question that uh, we consider, I believe, from time to time. And it's a question about just your standing, your particular experience in a difficult season in your walk with the Lord. Where, where are you left in your walk of faith... And I mean by that your confidence in God, your your trust in God. Where are you left in your walk of faith when because of unanswered prayer, some of us have that, because of unanswered prayer, you find yourself joining the ranks and even identifying with uh, Philip Yancey. And some of you may know him as an author. And he has a best-selling book, Disappointed with God. Have you found yourself disappointed with God. And I want to quote Yancey. And and I think he's honest. I think he's real. He says, I found that for many people, there is a large gap between what they expect from their Christian faith and what they actually experience. He goes on. From a steady diet of books and sermons and personal testimonies, all promising triumph and success, they learn to expect dramatic evidence of God working in their lives. If they do not see such evidence, they feel disappointment, betrayal, and often guilt. How do you feel about that statement? You see, I... It is true, it is true that some of us, some of you here this morning, have prayed seeking God's intervention and help, maybe even this past year. There has been a particular need close to your heart, and you've prayed and you sought the face of God, and you can look back, and today you have much joy in your heart, you have much rejoicing, you can point to the fact that God has answered your prayers and wonderfully been at work in your life. Some of you can say that. Others can't. Others among us have prayed. 
faithfully and repeatedly, sincerely, imploring and crying and begging and pleading with God, but it feels all for nothing. As if the heavens are silent. There's no response. There's no answer from God. You keep hoping and you keep asking and, and, and eventually you can't hide your disappointment crying out as the psalmist did in Psalm 10. Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? See, the temptation is like the psalmist to want to give up on God, to doubt God, Questioning, questioning whether God is actually at work in these seasons of life when your prayers are not answered and your life is filled with disappointment. And the psalmist goes on in chapter 10 uh, of, of that psalm, Psalm 10 verse 11. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. I, I felt that. I don't know if you've ever felt that. God, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. And so those of you who feel that this morning, like the heavens are silent or have been silent and, and you are skeptical or you're becoming skeptical about God being at work in the midst of your disappointment and disillusionment, I want you to look at this passage today with me and be encouraged. And the purpose of this message this morning is really to point you in the direction of having hope and trust as we look at this old couple who we've encountered this morning in reading this passage. So what do we know about this couple? High up in the quiet hill country of Judea, there lived a certain priest, Zechariah, with his wife, Elizabeth. They were no longer energetic. They were many, they like many at Glenhaven. All right? Amen. Amen. There we go. Many at Haven Village. They were old. They didn't have walkers. They had sticks. They were well advanced in years. It could be said of them as they look back over the years that they had had an active and faithful life together under God and we can say for God. But like so many others, this is what I want to look at this morning, we know that there was a dark shadow that stretched and extended over their peaceful, godly lives. Like so many, even among us here this morning, my first point this morning, they too were living with a heart-wrenching disappointment. This couple faced what I want to call this morning an unwanted deviation in the path that they had anticipated. Now, I did a wedding on Friday afternoon, and it was lovely to, to listen to the couple about their dreams and their future. And I wondered, as I, I knew I was going to preach the sermon this morning, I wondered what that couple was anticipating and expecting and dreaming for and hoping for if it would un unfold according to their anticipation and desires. Well, that was the case with uh, this couple. Zechariah and Elizabeth, their dream of having children was shattered. Elizabeth and Zechariah's marriage and their home never had known the joy 
of a little baby. I was reminded last night by Isaac that we currently have seven babies. One has arrived and six to arrive in the context of our church. Much delight, isn't it, for those couples, for those families. Baby gurgling. Uh, what, what a wonderful sound that is. The, the cuddling. We were visiting with some folk and, and, and the lady said she just loves to cuddle a little two and three and four year old. And when they're 13 and 14, they don't want to cuddle anymore. <laughs> Isn't that true? Zechariah and Elizabeth did not have that opportunity. They were childless. It's a word used quite frequently in the Bible. Describe describing them as barren. 2022, we call it infertility. I want to say it's not an affliction that many people really understand unless they've actually been there. The dragging years of hope, of anticipation, filled with monthly disappointments. Perhaps next month, always hoping, Always thinking, perhaps next month. Doesn't happen. And so there's this descending sense, a deep and growing sense of inadequacy and of failure that the couple feel. And I can imagine Zachariah and Elizabeth bombarded with comments. I'll call them insensitive comments by well-meaning friends and family but really mostly lacking understanding, lacking real empathy, many people offering foolish counsel, and perhaps there's a, learn, a lesson to be learned here among us even this morning, making empty suggestions like, you just need to take a break. Take a cruise on the Dead Sea for a couple of weeks and, 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 and you'll fall pregnant. Or just relax and, and forget about and take up a hobby and do something and, and all will be well. Now, I'm sure there must have been some kind of suggestions offered. But still, disappointment after disappointment. And I want to tell you for the Christian couple, there is a nagging, there is a nagging question. And the nagging question comes from the statement in Psalm 127 verse 3. Behold, Children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of a womb, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Christian couple struggles with that, doesn't, doesn't connect. Why? Why? The months of disappointment for this couple turned into years, the years into decades of silence. And Luke, Luke records the fact for us in verse 7 they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren, they were both well advanced in years. They had lived through this heart-wrenching pain and disappointment. But by now, Zechariah and Elizabeth, no child, was long past. In the progression of time, the advancement of years, the ordeal was behind them. But I want us to move on now to think about their response. In their painful struggle, grappling with this unanswered prayer and disappointment, I want you to notice in this passage, they had not turned from God. But they found refuge in God. And so my second point this morning, finding peace 
in the midst of pain. Some of you know that this passage is close to my own heart because Carol and I lived through a similar disappointment. You may not know this, but Jamie was born almost 20 years. Biological child came only 20 years after we were first married. We could not have biological children. God added to our family Josh and Matt in another way. And as we lived through that season, I remember it so clearly. We were married first among our friends and peers. Their families grew. Babies came fast and furious. In ministry, we discovered even those who did not want babies could have babies. But we couldn't. One of the lessons amongst, I learned a lot of lessons in that season. Over a period of time in that season, God taught me that contentment is from God and with God. And maybe younger people here this morning teach you a lesson about contentment. Contentment is not found in the acquisition of anything. Just read the book of Ecclesiastes and you'll discover how people chase after things. And each time it ends at a dead end. And so I have a a phrase that uh, I've adopted in my own life. Uh, Contentment does not eliminate legitimate desire. That's important to understand. We have legitimate desires. But, but contentment... It does replace obsession with temporal acquisition. If you don't believe me, just look around you and perhaps even look at your own life. It's a lesson the Apostle Paul learned. He said, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He had a desire for food, of course, but he was not obsessed with having the food. Now the test is this. Your desire, perhaps your obsession for a new car or a new house or a new cell phone. And you get it. Three weeks later, you have an obsession for something else. Car becomes old hat. Adding a new bathroom or new room to the house becomes old hat. It does not satisfy and, and, and so this lesson of contentment, it's with God, it's from God, and, and we need to learn not to get caught into the cycle of unending obsession for things that don't last anyway. So there's, there's something bigger, there's something lasting and satisfying that we need to be content. And Zechariah and Elizabeth found this in God. The psalmist also Another one of my favorite verses I've tried to uh, practice and, 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 and I've learned this in my life in another season of difficulty when my mom and dad were dying of cancer. And, and I learned in that season what the psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? Folk, you have nothing else that lasts. Nothing. Mother, father, spouse, child, house, money, investment, Nothing. Whom have I in heaven but you? Only God. There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. 
But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This couple found that. Over the years, I'm sure struggle, Elizabeth and Zechariah speaking to each other, struggling with each other, pouring their hearts out to each other, pouring their hearts out to God, listening for the voice of God, they found the presence and the person and the power, the reality of God sufficient for them in their pain. They discovered that God is the strength that they need in their weakness. And so Luke is able to say, Zechariah and Elizabeth in chapter 1 verse 6, they were both righteous, not bitter and twisted, not resentful and skeptical. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They trusted God. They rested in God. And so there is a response that we need to consider. There's an implication. You see, in their situation, a marriage, and, and for couples to encourage you today to build into each other's lives spiritual well-being and trust in God. In the context of the church, we need each other to build into each other's lives encouragement to trust and hope in God. Which leads me to my first point. The third point, unknown to this couple, and I think unknown to many of us, we neglect this reality, we forget. Number three, God has his own great and intricate timetable. You see, it is now what we read of, and I'll read the verse in a minute, the fullness of time. An old author by the name of Alexander White I quote him, he says, the great day dawns on which the New Testament has been predestined to open. Isn't that a great uh, sentence, wonderful sentence that the great day dawns, it arrives, the New Testament has been predestined. Zechariah has gone up to Jerusalem. He's gone there to carry out his duty, verse 8, now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty. And the priestly lot, according to their practice, had again been cast, and this time it had fallen on Zechariah. Been chosen by God and called upon to minister at the altar of incense. This is the place of prayer. There he was to make intercession for the people, for the sinful people. Never had he done this before. A priest would only do this once. In his entire life. That day, that occasion, appointed by God in the unfolding of his purposes, he is given this awesome privilege. And so he goes, spotless robes, head covered, no shoes on his feet. He goes through these golden doors into the holy place. And as he enters, if you know your Old Testament, you'll know that he encounters, he sees there the golden candlesticks, the table of showbread, the altar of incense. There's a sacred flame that rises up. And so taking the censer of full of incense into his hand, he pours it onto this fire and he says, my speculative words, Lord, 
Let my prayer come before you like this incense, the lifting of my hands like the evening sacrifice. Now he's praying for the people and, and their sin. Verse 10 we read, and the whole multitude of people, they're outside, praying outside at the hour of incense. And, and then there is this most extraordinary, amazing thing uh, unexpectedly happens in verse 11. There appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar. Zechariah was troubled. I think I would be too. Imagine, imagine, you know, we read these things and these were just ordinary people. Imagine what it must have been like. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John. The follow the, the sequence of events that follow, uh, Zechariah's fear and doubt, unbelief, it's part of it. His deafness and dumbness. Visit of Mary to the hill country to he and uh, his wife. Mary bursting forth in praise. Uh, the story as it unfolds. The promised son is born. The point being that God does what is impossible. Not because it is demanded. But because it's part of his plan. Another lesson we ought to learn. Circumcision follows the controversy over the name, the loosening of Zechariah's tongue and the opening of his ears, and then that song that I tried to read earlier on in the service. Now reading all of that, this opening chapters of Luke, I believe gives us a message that we ought to hear today. Our benefit, for our benefit, I want to extract an implication, and it's my fourth point. I want to, I have called it you and me, and the question of unanswered prayer. You see, what are those disappointments? Now I can I can put quite a few down on a piece of paper. I can tell you now. Uh, those what are those disappointments that are casting this dark shadow over your own life and walk with God? Those deep desires, those burdens which you have, or you feel like you want to give up praying for. What's the point? It may not be a baby, but it could be. It, it, it could be a spouse, wife or a husband, single people. It could be just a job. It could be healing from an illness. Now silence, and I, I don't like to misrepresent the scriptures. Silence, maybe no. We discovered in our journey of infertility other couples with similar challenges never ever had a biological child. Don't make those stupid comments to people, just relax and all will be well. It might not be so. Silence Maybe God's response, no. But silence may also be, wait for my timing. Verse 13, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Do you remember the prayers you prayed, Glenhaven crew? Hey, back when you were 20 and 19, and these people were married when they're teens, 17, 18. 
You see, had the angel come with this answer 40 or 50 years before, Zechariah would have enthusiastically welcomed him, angel. There would have been great rejoicing and celebration by both Zechariah and Elizabeth. The angel has come too late. Those of us who are older know that's true. I don't want little babies anymore. (laughs) Grandchildren, yes, because they go home. (laughs) Zechariah must have felt something similar. No, it's too late. The time is long past. The thing is impossible. I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. And so to be quite frank... And please may God not be angry. He's no longer desirable. You see, Zechariah had long since outlived his prayer. He probably, as a believer, sincere believer, tried to justify or explain away why God had not heard and answered his prayer back then. Perhaps he'd even sought to defend God's silence. But in the course of time, it long since come to terms with why he and Elizabeth should end their days without children. He had convinced himself with many good and convincing reasons it was simply to be. And now, even if it were possible, Zechariah is not enthusiastic to be plunged. But can you imagine that? Nappies again, sleepless nights again, the anxieties of raising a child, the uncertainties, the responsibilities, the dangers, those things were behind him. My prayer is not to be heard, Zechariah had long ago said to himself. Let me direct my prayer and look to God for other things. The Lord's will be done, he had said long time ago. But in spite of Zechariah's resignation, now here's something we need to hear. His prayer had been heard all the time. Isn't that great? All those years of prayer and waiting and ceasing from praying and turning to other things, all that time Zechariah's answer had been ready with God. Waiting for the best time, for the right time, for the answer to be set down. You see, we are like Zechariah in our humanness, humanity. We ought to learn to persevere in prayer and trust God who knows better. We ought to pray on through disappointment, through disillusionment. Sometimes we'll even discover that in that prayer, Discovering the presence and the nature of God is better than the answer as we draw close to him. But what we need to see here, and and this is why I love the sovereignty of God as it's unfolded in the scriptures. Remember that your answer may be ready all the time, as with Zechariah. But other people's prayers and other people's providences are mixed up with yours. You're not an island. You don't live in isolation. The world is filled with people and and people are connected and and lives are connected and, and, and their prayers and their preparations and their providences need to get as ripe and ready as yours. 
They were, they were ready a long time ago. <laughs> but Joseph and Mary, they were not even born. Then they were only beginners in faith. Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist had to wait in the hill country of Judea. Not only for Joseph and Mary to be made ready, but for the timing of God's plan. Jesus coming, determined even before the foundation of the earth. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 is a great encouragement. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so my conclusion today, never forget that God is orchestrating the events of this world. When I'm running along the road in my jogging, I often come across birds that are dead. I don't know, they fall from the tree, I suppose, but I think it's more likely a car is driven over them. And you know what thought comes into my mind? There's not a sparrow that falls to the ground without God knowing. God is orchestrating all the events of life and death in the accomplishing of his redemptive purposes. And so there's an interconnectedness in this as God works among people. And the challenge, therefore, is for us to walk by faith and not by sight. Do we still feel the pain? Of course we do. But what do we allow to govern our response? Is it trust in God or trust in ourselves? In fact, I don't even believe our paths today is mere coincidence. God orchestrating in ways that we do not even understand. And so, my intention in preaching this passage this morning is to encourage you and to encourage me. Go back to the word. We can rest in him. We do know, as I prayed early in the service, underneath of the everlasting arms of God. His redemptive purposes are being worked out in and through our life's disappointments. Take refuge in God. Don't run from God. That will take you down a spiral of skepticism and doubt and disillusionment. Restlessness will become something that will haunt you. Instead, we must find safety in the arms as we fix our eyes on Jesus. Lord, I do pray for us, each other yet today, coming to the end of another year. Lord, looking back and, and seeing that indeed there, there are disappointments. There have been disappointments. Things that we've anticipated, successes that we've hoped for, answers that we've sought have not always been forthcoming. And so even this morning, Lord, asking that as your word is unfolded to us, that it would lead, you to a, lead us to a greater trust in you, 
May we as a people, individuals here this morning, perhaps someone really grappling with a difficult issue, Lord, to enable that one to walk by faith and not by sight. And even as we turn to your table, as we share together in the elements of the bread and the cup pointing to Jesus, may we take courage from that which you have unfolded and are unfolding according to your own timetable. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.